So you're clicking on the link to this podcast, and the voice isn't what you expected to hear, but does kind of sound a little familiar. So at this point, you're probably a little confused and thinking to yourself, wait a minute. Oh man, did the Russians hack this thing too? I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies podcast. I'm your host, Hode Rubino. And yes, if you haven't heard by now, our podcast has gone through an ownership change, if you will. My good friend Ralph Amsden, who originated this podcast, has retired from hosting it as he moves on to other long-term projects. Now, don't worry. I'm sure we're going to see him down the road, not only dropping in from time to time on the website which I run, devilsdigest.com, but also appear as a guest on this podcast so we'll turn the tables around and let's see how he fancies the guest chair for a change. In any event, I'm very excited to take over this podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. I know that in three short years, the Devil's Junkies podcast has built quite the following among Sun Devil fans. And when Ralph decided to undertake other duties, he asked me to continue the podcast and I gladly accepted his request. I really enjoyed listening to the podcast the last few years. And obviously I'm no stranger to being a guest on this podcast several times before as well as being a guest for over 50-some appearances on the granddaddy of all ASU podcasts, Speak of the Devils, with my good friends Brad Denny and Joe Healy. So hosting this podcast is really a little role change, but in a sense it stays the same, which means just doing one of the things I enjoy doing the most, and that's talking Arizona State football and basketball. As a longest-tenured beat writer for both those sports, 19 years and running, I definitely don't have any problems or issues talking about these sports until I'm blue in the face, and I guess that's the reason why you're here, now listening to this podcast, wanting to know more about both sports and getting more coverage in general than other media outlets do provide. So the two main topics for today's podcast will be ASU's 2019 recruiting class and, of course, the upset win by the basketball team over Kansas. So without further ado, let's start talking some ASU football. If you know the song that was a segue to this segment, you would uh, realize how apropos the title is when we talk about uh, recruiting classes. And uh, if you don't know the title of the song, just uh, time to fire the uh, Shazam application and uh, figure out uh, where the connection is. But in any event, uh, let's talk about Arizona State's uh, 2019 recruiting class. Uh, Number 37 in the nation, number six in the Pac-12 by Rivals.com. I feel that uh, with the class size, uh, they did include 19 uh, signees, a little on the smaller side following a 7-6 and six season. It's pretty reasonable to see Arizona State ranked uh, the, the way, where they are. Uh, I definitely feel there were some uh, needs that uh, were addressed uh, quite, quite nicely in this class. And uh, anybody listening to my recruiting analysis knows that I'm not just a, a big numbers guys in terms of uh, just adding, let's say, five offensive linemen, no matter who, how good or how bad they are, just to 
sure that you filled some kind of quota, but um, also staying away from that warm body theory, if you will, and just getting quality players in the fold. So uh, let's uh, start talking about um, this class uh, on the offensive side, and obviously uh, all the rage were uh, the three quarterbacks uh, that were taken. Uh, Jaded Daniels, obviously being the highest-rated uh, quarterback, not only uh, not only in Arizona State's uh, class in terms of position, but also in the class overall, ranked uh, 107th uh, in the nation, four-star prospect, obviously the third-best dual threat uh, quarterback uh, in the nation. Uh, we um, were uh, fortunate enough to talk to Jaden Daniels' mom about the recruiting process for Arizona State and how uh, Jaden Daniels really fell into the Sun Devils' lap. A really interesting story um, of a, a high-caliber recruit that uh, contacted ASU on, on his own initiative uh, in the process. And um, needless to say that when you have that uh, type of prospect wanting to come to your school, you're just simply not going to turn them down. And uh, that was definitely the case with uh, with Jaden Daniels. Now, I know uh, some folks uh, were concerned about Jaden Daniels uh, for two uh, reasons. First, uh, they thought that uh, he uh, was perhaps too much of a dual threat quarterback, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is that uh, he was, uh, in fact, a run first quarterback, uh, not so much of a, uh, a passing signal. call. And uh, is that something that would fit um, Arizona State's uh, scheme? Well, when you look at his numbers uh, just uh, in the last um in the last two years, he has over uh, 12,000 uh, yards of total offense. But when you delve uh, into it uh, more, just as a senior, Daniels completed 70% of his uh, passes, 70.7 uh, to be more exact, for uh, 4,515 yards with 60 touchdowns and just four interceptions. So I know uh, when you talk dual threat quarterback, uh, sometimes signal callers get stuck with that uh, unfair stigma of being a quarterback that can run really, really well, kind of pass okay, uh, but he's a dual quarterback, quarterback, and that's why uh, you know a team should uh, should take a chance on him, or that's why he's a good quarterback to begin with. And uh, I think that that Jaden Daniels uh, is going to prove a lot of fans wrong uh, in that sense because I feel that he's a, a much more complete uh, player uh, than some give him credit for. Now, before Jaden Daniels came into the fold, I know that uh, the quarterback that everybody was excited about was uh, Joe Yellen, uh, the uh, signal caller from uh, Mission Viejo in uh, Southern California, uh, put up uh, some great numbers in his own right, completed 64.7% uh, of his passes for 3,516 yards, 27 touchdowns, and three interceptions. Uh, what uh, d makes Yellen different than Daniels is just being that more classic uh, pro-style uh, quarterback, uh, somebody who is uh, less mobile, uh, likes to sit, uh, more, sit more in the pocket, uh, very, very accurate uh, quarterback that uh, utilizes his high uh, football IQ and just approach uh, to the game uh, to be to be successful and not uh, a player that may do some things um, on a whim or improvise uh, much. Now, some may say that a uh, quarterback like uh, Joe Yellen actually might be more suited to what Arizona State uh, wants to do. Uh, let's face it, uh, with all the success they know Benjamin 
and the running game for the Sun Devils had in 2018. Uh, the fact that you're losing a uh, wide receiver Nikhil Harry to the draft and uh, going to start a green quarterback, whomever that quarterback may be, uh, you should even see even more emphasis on the running game and uh, maybe less of a need uh, to have a quarterback that's uh, going to be forced um, every Saturday to go out there and, and, and win the game for you. And in that sense, uh, some people think that Joe Yellen just might be better suited uh, for the starting job at, at Arizona State uh, just because of the, uh, the, the skill set in the toolbox uh, that he brings. So, uh, I mean, that, that's an interesting theory uh, in and in itself. Uh, and uh, definitely Arizona State uh, coaches uh, have a tough decision ahead of them uh, in spring practice. Uh, both uh, Joe Yellen and Jenny Daniels are going to be in the spring. As well as the uh, third quarterback uh, in this class, uh, Ethan Long from West Lynn, uh, Oregon. Uh, Long is uh, described as uh, being somewhat of a mix between uh, Yellen and Daniels. Uh, in other words, uh, somebody who uh, is definitely a skilled passer, but also somebody uh, that uh, can run and use his feet uh, if needed. Uh, definitely had um, some nice stats uh, of its own. Completion percentage a little um, uh, less than uh, his uh, two fellow freshmen. 61% of his passes were completed for 3,247 yards. 31 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Also a little high on the uh, on the interception side. Uh, there's been some rumors floating out there that uh, he may end up uh, playing linebacker uh, at Arizona State. Not dismissing that rumor off the bat, but uh, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, he will be given every opportunity to compete uh, with Daniels and Yellen. And as mentioned, Long is also going to arrive here uh, in the spring. So it's going to be uh, one heck of a battle uh, between those three quarterbacks and the returning uh, quarterback for Arizona State, uh, junior Dylan Sterling Cole. Uh, it's no secret that um, I don't feel the coaches, at least up until this point, had a lot of confidence uh, in Sterling Cole. I think that uh, even when been given a little more opportunity to showcase his skills. Uh, the coaches uh, definitely uh, opted to uh, use Manny Wilkins maybe sometimes for longer stretch stretches than one would think uh, you would uh, choose to uh, use him. Uh, then again, when you look at the uh, crazy number of close games that Arizona State uh, was involved in in 2018, there was uh, simply uh, no room or no uh, bandwidth to uh, have a guy like Dylan Stern Cole really go out there and, and, and showcase his skills. Um, for Sterling Cole, it's definitely uh, the last stand, uh, so to speak, uh, when it comes to this practice, uh, which is going to begin in February, uh, to see if he's somebody that can still make an impact on this program, uh, can beat out all three freshmen, if not distance themselves a little from that pack of newcomers. Or is he somebody that uh, is uh, going to fall um, in the depth chart and uh, not be able to uh, overcome the new talent uh, that's arriving in Tempe? So uh, that's obviously going to be a very, very interesting uh, storyline to follow uh, in spring. Um, some folks are asking me and uh, some other uh, subject matter experts about uh, Ryan Kelly, the uh, local Chandler Basher quarterback uh, who here two years ago and uh what's uh, his status uh, most of you may if not all of you know uh ryan kelly uh did arrive at asu um 
uh, following a shoulder injury, which uh, really did not heal um, completely at all uh, during his um, first year in Tempe. Uh, there was a decision which I've heard, honestly, some uh, differing uh, opinions uh, as to uh, Kelly's decision not to uh, opt for surgery in his first year at ASU, but rather in his second year. And uh, that just really put him uh, behind uh, the eight ball. And really, I think by default is uh, taking out of the race um, over here uh, for the quarterback uh, competition that's going to take place again between the three newcomers and Dylan Sterling Cole. Um, I know when offensive coordinator Rob Likens is asked about Ryan Kelly, he uh, politely and diplomatically says, look, I mean, I don't know what he has or doesn't have to offer because I have not seen him throw a good volume of balls in practice. Uh, with uh, spring practice beginning so early in February, uh, that's something that inadvertently is hurting uh, Ryan Kelly because uh, he uh, is still, uh, by all accounts, not going to be 100% healed, ready to go. Uh, and showing that he can be a factor uh, in, in this quarterback race. So really, uh, when you hear me and others talk about dealing Sterling Cole and the three freshmen, um, it's not us um, ignoring Ryan Kelly or anything uh, to that extent. It's just that Ryan Kelly, for no fault of his own, uh, due to his uh, shoulder injury issues, uh, really uh, is not going to find himself uh, in the rotation uh, here at Arizona State. Uh, I have no idea what the future holds for Ryan Kelly, and maybe Ryan himself uh, doesn't have the answer to that question. But um, that's uh, basically uh, where things uh, stand right now at quarterback. Again, um, it's uh, definitely uh, worth the price of admission uh, to uh, check out those three fr freshmen uh, battling each other and obviously battling uh, the Dilling Sterling Cole and just seeing where the chips uh will uh, fall um, once uh, spring uh, practice concludes. In terms of back, uh, Arizona State uh, did not uh, sign any players in that position in the 2019 class, but uh, they are uh, gaining back, so to speak, uh, Demetrius Flowers, the uh, running back from uh, St. John Bosco, one of the powerhouse uh, programs in Southern California. Uh, Demetrius Flowers uh, was injured his senior year, missed, I think, all but three games. Uh, for his team, and uh, Arizona State decided uh, to gray shirt him, uh, which means that uh, advise him instead of arriving in uh, summer of 2018 to arrive in spring of 2019, uh, giving his body um, all the time to heal. Arizona State at the time was uh, well sta stacked at running backs, uh, as we know that uh, since that time, uh, both uh, Traylon Smith and uh, Brock Sturges have left the program, uh, each for their own reasons. Uh, so um, Arizona State isn't hurting uh, for depth um, at that position. Uh, they still have uh, Isaiah Floyd, uh, the junior college uh, transfer, and uh, A.J. Carter, the freshman uh, from uh, Louisiana, um, on the team. And, uh, and, and Paul Lucas, as uh, some remember, um, the uh, local uh, Mountain Point uh, standout um, was uh, at one point a defensive back, but now is back at running back. So um, Arizona State uh, made a decision to uh, welcome Demetrius Flowers uh, back uh, to the team in 2019 now that he's all healed and ready to go. And uh, he's, uh, you know, definitely uh, has um, some intrigue uh, standing at six to, uh, six, I'm sorry, six feet uh, um, flat. Uh, 219 pounds and uh, somebody who uh, 
can add a more uh, physical uh, dimension uh, to, to, to this running back group. Uh, and if he's healthy, uh, definitely uh, can make uh, the competition at that position, uh, which really is a competition for being the backup of Eno Benjamin, uh, that much more um, interesting. So uh, very curious to see uh, what Demetrius Flowers uh, can do. Um, again, by default, being a member of the uh, of the 2019 class, uh, this is somebody that um, can definitely add uh, some uh, value as a newcomer for the running back position. To uh, wide receiver, uh, it was a position that uh, even with the departures of uh, Nikhil Harry and outgoing senior Ryan Jenkins, who unfortunately uh, suffered uh, a uh, an knee injury uh, right before the team uh, was uh, scheduled to depart to the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, and um, you know we definitely wish him a, a speedy recovery. Um, he's uh, definitely been somebody that uh, has been of, of value uh, to, to the Arizona State program. Did ironically get a uh, extra year of eligibility because of a previous injury for the 2018 season. Unfortunately, uh, could not even play in the last game uh, for the Sun Devils. But uh, without Harry and without Jenkins, uh, it's still a group uh, that is uh, quite deep. So uh, Arizona State, on the one hand, I don't think felt like they had to uh, overreach. Um, at this position, but uh, they did uh, nonetheless um, sign uh, three uh, wide receivers. Uh, let's start with the first one, uh, Jordan Curley from Texas, uh, Austin, Texas to be exact, uh, he, uh, who uh, definitely put up some uh, really nice numbers, uh, 73 receptions for uh, 1,018 yards and, and 12 touchdowns in, in 10 games. And uh, really, uh, when you go back even to his junior year, um, had uh, very similar stats, uh, 75 catches for 1,185 yards and, uh, and 12 touchdowns. Somebody that um, Arizona State uh, feels uh, can be a very uh, sure-handed uh, receiver uh, for, for the team, uh, whether he's uh, somebody that can uh, avoid a redshirt year, I think uh, that's uh, something that is definitely uh, up the air right now but i think uh under the radar probably one of the more intriguing uh, prospects uh, for the sound of the two other uh, wide receivers that were uh, signed uh, in this class first is ricky Purcell from uh, nearby tempe corona del sol and uh you talk about a, a swiss army knife type of player uh, he collected 2358 all-purpose yards and 20 touchdowns as a senior uh, i thought he really uh showcased his speed with uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns for 99 and 98 yards, uh, playing on uh, not a great uh, squad there for the Alex, uh, one of those players that was definitely the uh, focal point of every opposing defense. And for him uh, still to uh, put up those type of numbers, I think uh, speaks volumes as to his potential. And um, in the same vein, uh, Andre Johnson from uh, Tullison, uh, high school uh, out on the west side, uh, very very similar to Purcell in the numbers that uh, he uh, he put up, and again uh, not playing for a great team, and still uh, being able to uh, have uh, statistics that are definitely uh, very impressive. Uh, Forty two receptions for seven hundred thirty yards and eight touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, uh, two hundred four uh, uh, kick return uh, touchdowns. And uh, what's even a little more impressive with him, that he was an absolute menace on special teams. He blocked three punts and two field goals. Uh, and uh, three of his seven interceptions were returned for touchdowns. And also he had four passes defended. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, just another 
uh, local player that uh, does have um, a lot of promise. And just to uh, as to recap, as a reminder, with uh, he was um, originally scheduled uh, to be a gray shirt uh, with the team, which again means that uh, he would delay uh, his uh, enrollment to the following uh, spring, which in this case would be spring of 2020. But uh, he did sign a national letter of intent uh, with the option to decide to gray shirt or not. And uh, by all accounts right now, uh, he has decided uh, just to join the team uh, as um, scheduled uh, with the other newcomers in the summer of uh, 2019. So I'm really interested to see what Andre Johnson uh, can add to this wide receiver group, which, again, I don't think really has um, a whole lot of depth uh, once you pass uh, the three, first three, four wide receivers of this group. And uh, really curious to see what Andre Johnson uh, can bring to the table. I know there's a lot of skeptical fans out there uh, when they hear how much the coaching staff wants to uh, integrate the uh, tight end uh, in the passing game. Uh, they kind of roll their eyes, uh, basically not believing one word the coaches are saying. And, uh, and unfortunately, there is some evidence to uh, support that. But uh, Nolan Matthews from uh, Frisco, Texas, is the uh, lone tight end signed in this class. And uh, I just know for a fact from my sources that this is one uh, recruit that the Arizona State coaches have been uh, quite bullish on for quite a while and uh, really think that uh, he can indeed be that uh, dynamic uh, tight end that will be very active in the passing game, but still uh, execute uh, all the blocking duties that the typical tight end uh, would have to have. Uh, he... Um, had uh, eight touchdowns, uh, 680 yards, 42 receptions, so uh, pretty solid numbers uh, for, for a tight end and somebody who, uh, who I feel uh, can definitely uh, have the, at least the potential uh, to be a tight end, maybe in the mold of uh, Chris Coyle, which uh, roamed the field uh, just uh, six years years ago, but uh, it seems when it comes to tight end production uh, to be uh, much longer than that. Uh, quickly going over the... Uh, the offensive lineman uh, over here, uh, Roman uh, DeWeiss uh, from uh, Chandler Basha, uh, somebody uh, who's a very, very young lineman, but uh, 6'5", 282 pounds, uh, definitely doesn't look um, like a baby or, or anything like that. Uh, Ladaris Henderson uh, from Texas, 6'4", 271 pounds. Uh, ben Scott, a recruit from Hawaii. Uh, definitely a pipeline that Arizona State uh, would like to establish. Actually played uh, one of the best programs over there uh, in Hawaii, St. Louis uh, High School uh, in Honolulu. Um, Elijah Bates, uh, who, uh, if the name sounds familiar, yes, he is a son of a former linebacker, uh, Solomon Bates. Uh, he is also uh, a gray shirt candidate who I actually believe uh, will not join the team in full practice and rather just uh, show up in January of uh, 2020 and uh, probably the most uh, polished uh, offensive lineman of the group uh, who may have an outside chance of not redshirting is Donovan West uh, from Bishop Alamany uh, School in Mission Hills, California, one of the uh, better programs uh, over there in the region. Uh, 6'3", uh, 285, uh, projected more as, as an interior lineman, probably a guard, uh, somebody which uh, May just may uh, sneak it sneak it in the, into the too deep uh, just because uh, of a position that doesn't have uh, great depth uh, behind its uh, starting five or first or first six best 
uh, offensive lineman. So uh, an- another um, offensive lineman that uh, definitely, or I should say another newcomer that can definitely uh, get, carry some intrigue with it. He's actually the only uh, player aside from the quarterbacks that's going to arrive in Tempe in January. And you wonder if that kind of gives him a leg up on uh, just trying to acclimate uh, to what can be sometimes a really rough transition between the uh, high school level and the college level. So uh, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. And uh, if anybody followed uh, my recruiting analysis in the last few years, I mentioned how uh, much Arizona State needs to uh, shore up its defensive line recruiting. Uh, This is a case where it probably didn't get a lot of quantity in it and two defensive linemen signed. But in terms of quality, I think that Arizona State did uh, very well. Uh, When you talk about one of the crown jewels uh, of this class, uh, it's definitely a defensive lineman, Stephon Wright, from a Cathedral High School uh, in Los Angeles, a four-star prospect, ranked 163rd uh, in the nation, number 16th uh, in his position of a uh, strong side uh, defensive end. Uh, definitely a, uh, def- a defensive uh, lineman that is uh, equally explosive as he is strong. And um, even though the number of sacks uh, for the Arizona State defense as a whole did go up uh, from last year, I definitely felt that uh, when it came to just the numbers that the defensive linemen uh, put up in terms of sacks, uh, they definitely left a lot to be desired. I would say that true freshman uh, Jermaine Lolay uh, did come on somewhat strong in the last uh, six or so contests uh, and and maybe showed a lot of his potential during uh, that period. But uh, this is definitely, like I said, a defensive lineman that needs some good solid pass rushes, and I think uh, Stefan Wright uh, definitely fills uh, the bill over there. Uh, I don't know if I would call Amiri Johnson a diamond uh, in the rough. I think he's a little more posh than that, but uh, he's definitely a clay that you love to mold. Uh, you're an Arizona State coach, uh, 6'6", 235 pounds. will definitely need to grow into his frame, and seeing in his person, he definitely has the frame that, that he can gr- uh, grow into and really turn into a quite uh, imposing uh, defensive lineman. Anytime you talk about a defensive lineman with that stature, uh, pad level uh, can be an issue, and that probably is going to be the biggest adjustment that Amiri Johnson is going to have to go through once he joins uh, the team in the summer. But uh, somebody uh, who I feel is definitely going to be worth the wait in terms of just uh, molding them, into a solid uh, defensive lineman. It remains to be seen if he would remain at uh, defensive end as he projected right now, at least as a prospect, or is it somebody that uh, you move to nose tackle a la Renel Wren uh, just to have a big uh, body over there uh, plugging up the middle. And again, when you say big body, it's not so much just the mass, but also just the, the height. Renel Wren was 6'5", Amir Johnson 6'6". Uh, it looks like the uh, the coaching staff is, is comfortable playing a uh, taller defensive lineman uh, at nose tackle. And uh, time will tell for Miri Johnson uh, can really be uh, that player for Arizona State. Since Arizona State didn't find any linebackers in this class, or at least not yet, uh, well, let's move uh, straight to uh, the defensive uh, backs. Uh, the uh, highest rated player over here is uh, Jordan Clark, son of uh, NFL uh, pro bowler Ryan Clark from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Louisiana four-star prospect. And uh, somebody uh, who uh, Ralph Amsden uh, was very fond of, just not only in terms of his uh, playing abilities, but also just his uh, his personality, his character. Uh, 
again, when you talk about sus- suspect depth, I think uh, at uh, at cornerback, the players behind uh, Kobe Williams and Chase Lucas haven't exactly uh, proven themselves as, as being dependable, and uh, that definitely created a need for uh, the Arizona State coaches to go a little heavy on the defensive uh, back position. And obviously, the uh, I would say the natural tendency to load up at this position when you're running a 3-3-5 uh, defensive scheme, which which is which does call for one extra uh, defensive back, uh, it would only make sense uh, that uh, you definitely uh, err, err on the side of caution here and uh, take as many defensive uh, backs as you can. Uh, Willie Hartz uh, is somebody who I think could surprise a lot of people uh, from Pittsburgh, uh, California, uh, somebody that Arizona State had to beat both Cal and Washington State uh, for his services. In terms of just pure speed, uh, definitely uh, is poised to be one of the fastest players on this class and uh, somebody who uh, could play either uh, field uh, corner or field ranger and uh, be uh, really somebody that, that can cover very, very well in space. I think that right now at 6'1", 160 is a little on the slender side and definitely would have to uh, grow uh, stronger uh, quite quickly if he does have uh, any chance of uh, skipping a, a redshirt year. But uh, somebody that I think is a solid investment uh, for the future. Uh, the twin brothers, uh, Kejan and, and Keon Markham from Long Beach Poly, uh, those are probably uh, the longest silent commit in Arizona State's uh, history. Uh, both uh, played uh, for current Arizona State linebackers coach Antonio Pierce uh, back, back uh, last year. And uh, Definitely uh, their comfort level uh, with Pierce led them uh, to Arizona State. Uh, both of them are going to be uh, uh, probably safeties uh, in in this uh, scheme. Uh, Kajana Markin, Markin is definitely uh, somebody who put up um, a, lot of, a, a lot of impressive uh, numbers. Um, he scored uh, five uh, touchdowns for them on interception returns. And uh, in one game against... Uh, against Narbonne, uh, his team won 26-3. to And uh, in that game, Markham alone returned three touchdowns covering pretty sizable uh, chunks for 37, 45, and 99 yards for a total of 181 yards. So uh, definitely has the knack uh, for not only having a nose to the ball, but actually uh, doing some damage once he has the ball uh, in his hands. Uh, so definitely uh, uh, quality additions over here by the Twin Brothers. And um, the last uh, defensive back uh, to sign is, is Connor uh, is Connor Soli from uh, Scottsdale Suaro. He's going to be slated for the Tillman uh, safety position. Uh, one of the uh, better players on an absolute uh, star-studded uh, Sabercat uh, football team who won, I believe, it's uh, maybe the, the, the fourth uh, state championship in the row or something like that. It's kind of kind of easy to lose count uh, with the rate uh, that they uh, uh, crank out um, all, all, all these uh, championships. But uh, basically uh, somebody uh, who was the leader of the defense, 121 tackles, seven quarterback hurries, four and a half sacks, three interceptions, uh, really uh, a true two-way player as well, um, who had uh, 1,327 all-purpose yards, uh, most of them really coming uh, in the return game and reception returns. And again, he played on a loaded uh, Suaro team, which is would be very easy uh, to um, 
go go under the radar or, or go under notice or I should say maybe overshadowed uh, by you by your teammates and uh, for uh, Salid to, to put uh, put up those numbers uh, really shows um, what kind of uh, addition he can be uh, for the, for the Sun Devil defense of all the uh, 19 players that signed uh, with Arizona State in the early signing period in terms of how much uh, room is left in this class for the Sun Devils uh, to finish. Uh, they're recruiting in uh, February. Uh, there's uh, just about less less of a handful uh, of uh, spots available uh, to uh, round out this uh, 2019 uh, class. We uh, discuss in our in our Devils huddle uh, some of the possibilities uh, that remain over there in terms of specific names, specific positions. So if you're not a premium subscriber, uh, don't uh, hesitate uh, to join us uh, over there in, in the Devils huddle. Uh, we have a great uh, promotion that's going to run until the end of, of December called the 99 Cyber, where uh, all new annual uh, subscribers do get a $99 uh, certificate for the Rivals Fan Shop uh, to spend on probably one of the uh, things that you uh, like spending your money the most on, and that is Sun Devil Gear. So uh, if you go to any of our free uh, football stories like the uh, uh, recruiting um, offensive uh, overview of the 2019 class, uh, at the very end of that story, you'll find a link to the 99 uh, Cyber page. And uh, just follow the instructions uh, on, the leak, uh, on the link and uh, make sure that you take advantage of this great uh, promotion that we are running uh, right now. I will obviously answer uh, any questions at the end of the podcast that you have concerning the 2019 recruiting class, but just to put uh, a bow on uh, what transpired uh, here in the early signing period uh, for Arizona State, uh, again, when I'm going to offense, uh, I think uh, definitely a good move, uh, signing three quarterbacks and just letting the competition uh, sort uh, everything out. Uh, I think Arizona State uh, didn't um, oversign a wide receiver, a position they already had. Uh, quite a bit of returning players uh, coming back uh, in, in 2019, but I think each of the players uh, that they signed, uh, again, has a lot of intrigue, a lot of upside uh, to them, and uh, time will tell uh, if they can uh, make their mark uh, when full camp uh, begins in August of um, of next year. Uh, offensive linemen, uh, they uh, wanted certain numbers, which usually is 15 offensive linemen on the roster. Uh, they were they were able to uh, achieve that. And um, I think uh, there's definitely some raw talent uh, there uh, that uh, can be uh, developed uh, into some, and some quality offensive linemen. As we all know, offensive linemen really tend to uh, redshirt anyway upon arrival to campus. So there's no sense of urgency to uh, push the issue and uh, insert somebody too early into the mix. But uh, in terms of potential, I think I should be very happy uh, with what uh, took place at offensive line. Uh, at defensive line, uh, again, really, really great signings with uh, Stefan Wright, the four-star prospect, and Amiri Johnson, a player who some of you probably know by now, uh, was uh, highly coveted by USC for the last uh, 24 hours before signing day and on signing day itself. And Arizona State uh, did a great job uh, fending off uh, the Trojans uh, over there as they went hard um, after Amiri Johnson. Um, at defensive back, uh, I really like um, all the signings uh, one by one. Jordan Clark, as you said, of a four-star uh, the, the defensive back, uh, namely at corner, that uh, at the very least can add some really de uh, really nice depth. The Markham brothers uh, from Long Beach, probably, probably both of them going to line up at, um, at safety. 
very, very athletic, um, more on the taller side uh, of uh, that, that you want to see defensive backs on, and uh, two player, two players that uh, really, um, I really, I think there that uh, just a matter of time until they make their uh, presence known um, in Tempe. Uh, Willie Hart's uh, again somebody that can be uh, quite, quite a surprise uh, for Arizona State, and and, and Connor Soli. Uh, a very a very smart uh, player that uh, I think could do very very well um, in, in in the Tillman position uh, for for Arizona State. So um, again, when people talk about the quality of this class, uh, you know, is is number thirty seven or thirty five as other recruiting services uh, would have it uh, is is a ranking they should be happy with. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say a ranking um, that uh, should make you feel content. Uh, I mean, for starters, we should we should see what February brings. Uh, whether that ranking changes in one direction or another, just to get a more complete view of what Arizona State uh, was able or not able to achieve in this uh, in this 2019 class. But um, just in terms of addressing needs and getting quality players to address those needs, I think Arizona State uh, really did a, a very nice job. Um, if you recall, when we talked to Tal Luganville, who uh, heads the recruiting department, um, he basically set the expectation uh, bar pretty low for 2019, saying that a new staff doesn't have enough time to develop the relationships that are needed uh, to really make some serious noise uh, with the recruiting class in 2019, but that they're much uh, well poised uh, for the 2020 and 21 classes. So uh, I think maybe that's uh, the, the context that you really should judge Arizona State's uh, recruiting efforts and see uh, if this uh, aspect of the program is really ready to take uh, the, the next uh, step forward. Uh, but again, I think for the time being right now, uh, being ranked where they are following, you know, a barely over 500 season uh, with a recruiting class that's a little, little on the smaller size of 19 players, uh, I think they have done uh, very, very well for themselves. And again, uh, we'll see what uh, February brings uh, for Arizona State in that department. Who is left to save us? We mourn. I'm praying for my neighbors. They say the devil's at work and is calling favors. You say I'm dangerous. I speak for the nameless. I fly with the vultures. I be with them bangers. If change don't come, then the change won't come. If the bands make them dance, then the rain gon' come. Am I passing to the light? Looking to your eyes. Yes, the devil was indeed at work for Arizona State Saturday night at the bank as the Sun Devils upset number one and undefeated Kansas 80-76 to in front of the third largest crowd in Wells Fargo Arena slash University Activity Center history, 14,592 in attendance, an absolute electric night uh, for the Sun Devils. Definitely felt uh, it was a privilege uh, to cover a team on such on such an historic uh, contest over there uh, in Tempe. I'm not going to delve too much uh, in, into the micro, uh, to just uh, point out some of the things that uh, really uh, stood out to me. Um, I know sometimes uh, sports fans or maybe even uh, sports journalists are uh, kind of tired about talking about resiliency and character and just all those uh, traits, uh, which seem like worn out cliches, but you look at a team like Arizona state, which shot a dismal 
from the field. By far their worst uh, shooting percentage uh, in the first half of this season. Just to uh, turn it around and shoot 53.1% in the second half. And again, this is against arguably at the time the best team in the country in Kansas. is something really uh, unfathomable. I mean, something that you just simply do not expect uh, to happen. Arizona State ended the game on an 11-2 run. Again, to beat not just any random team on their non-conference schedule, but the Kansas Jayhawks, number one team uh, in the country. So those are some of the uh, uh, trends and some of the uh, game stats that really, really uh, stood out to me uh, the most. Uh, on a somewhat negative side, uh, freshman sensation Lugens Dort has really struggled in the last uh, two games. Uh, in the loss to Vanderbilt, scored 10 points, was uh, 3 out of 13 from the field. Uh, against Kansas, uh, nearly identical shooting percentages, 3 out of, three out of 14. Uh, did uh, score uh, slightly higher at uh, 13 points. So it was definitely uh, encouraging to see that even with Dort uh, struggling from the field as much as he did, uh, other players uh, to uh, to step up um, to the plate. I think the biggest positive that came out of this game is the uh, return of Rob Edwards, who uh, suffered a, a bulging disc uh, very late in the preseason, uh, played okay, uh, the first game of the season and hasn't really played uh, since up until uh, the game that ASU had uh, against uh, Nevada uh, earlier uh, in December, uh, where it really was uh, ineffective and really took him uh, a little while to, uh, to to get into the groove of the things. But um, it definitely showed some encouraging signs against Vanderbilt and uh, against Kansas, uh, scoring 15 points, 13 in the second half, three of five from three-point range. Uh, he and Remy Martin, uh, who scored uh, 10 points, were definitely huge, huge factors down the stretch uh, for Arizona State. But uh, again, going back to Edwards, you really can't overstate how important it is to get uh, this junior transfer guard uh, into the flow of things. Uh, I agree with Bobby Hurley, uh, who said in the preseason that he thought that Rob Edwards would lead the team in scoring. Uh, obviously because of his injury and missing all this time and not having great games when he was in there earlier in the season, he may just uh, not get that uh, title under his belt. But overall, uh, to have Rob Edwards playing playing the way he has been playing, again, with the struggles of Lugan Stewart, uh, was, was definitely huge. Uh, one um, unsung hero of this game is uh, true freshman forward Tayshawn Cherry, who had uh, four steals uh, in the game, and Kansas as a team only had six. Uh, that's another stat that really jumped out of the sheet, off the sheet, at least for me. Uh, also scored uh, eight points, two and four from uh, th- from three point range, and uh, it's great to see that uh, true freshman really come into his own the last uh, three four games. Uh, he was uh, just a tad uh, below uh, Lugens Dort when it came. When it came to the uh, recruiting accolades, and uh, I felt that uh, because he had um, a, uh, a knee surgery, I'm sorry, knee uh, injury for most of uh, most, most of preseason, that uh, he may have a hard time 
really establishing themselves, uh, establishing himself in the non-conference, and maybe he would have to wait until Pac-12 play to really see his worth to the team. But uh, to his credit, uh, he's really uh, fought uh, through through that injury, uh, has rehabbed well, and uh, right now uh, is definitely uh, somebody who uh, Arizona State is counting on uh, quite a bit. So those are some of the micro um, uh, factors that uh, that stood out to me from that game. But look at it uh, from a macro level. Uh, I think that uh, Arizona State, you know, first of all, beating Kansas in back-to-back years is, is unbelievable. But uh, I think that the way they beat Kansas last year and the way they beat them this year, and that was the uh, subject of my uh, column on the front page of DevilsDigest.com, really shows why I think this year's Sun Devil team is much more poised for long-term success, especially in Pac-12 play, compared to last year's team. Uh, as many of you know, it wasn't only that Arizona State uh, started non-conference play undefeated, but all but one of their victories were uh, in double digits. And the only one was uh, against uh, Kansas State, I believe it was an overtime game, when they went only by two points. It seems like things were just ridiculously going in the, on the right direction for Arizona State when they played uh, non-Pac-12 teams last year. Uh, I mean, they just, you know, it was, it was impossible to be hotter than they were uh, in, in uh, 20, uh, 2017, uh, 2018. And as we, as we all know, it uh, nearly all came crashing down in Pac-12 play as they uh, finished uh, eighth uh, in in the league with an eight, eight with an eight and twelve on uh, conference record, uh, somebody that I mean a record that uh, I don't believe any Pac-12 team in the past was able to qualify for the NCAA tournament uh, after such a dismal showing in uh, conference uh, play. But uh, Arizona State uh, built uh, some equity, if you will, in the non-conference, and uh, that really propelled them to uh, have an NCAA berth. Granted, um, they were in the group of the first uh, first four in, uh, playing uh, Syracuse in the uh, so-called uh, playing game up there in Dayton. Uh, it came pretty close uh, to, to actually winning that contest. But uh, but overall, I mean, I, I didn't feel that uh, last year's team was really built uh, for long-term success. Was really built uh, to uh, handle its Pac-12 foes on, on every given night. And this year, I like the fact that Arizona State is nine and two. So there's no um, uh, pursuit after perfection or or any other thing that might put undue pressure on this squad. Uh, this this team already tasted defeat, and they knew uh, very well how to bounce back from it. And I think that can be the difference uh, for the Sun Devils uh, down the stretch, especially in Pac-12 play. I mean, I don't expect uh, this team to finish anywhere near uh, eighth place when uh, Pac-12 play begins uh, in January uh, with the home game against uh, Utah. And it's not only the fact that the Pac-12 has a very down year. I mean, I think we're just inundated uh, with that news almost on a daily basis uh, right now, uh, how much uh, Pac-12 basketball uh, is not playing well uh, at all, how much it can hurt the chances of the conference of getting uh, more than just two, three teams uh, into the NCAA tournament. But um, it's not it's not only that that I think that Arizona State can have success and be more successful, I should say, than it was last year against uh, its uh, Pac-12 opponents. But just the fact that it's a very long team, long team right now that's playing excellent defense, that's uh, really controlling the boards 
uh, on a daily basis. Uh, I mean, they definitely didn't play any midgets over there on the Jayhawks squad. And uh, to still uh, finish not only with us in a 41-40 edge on the boards, but even on the offensive boards, 14-11, to 11, uh, especially in the second half, I thought, I thought they did a much better job uh, on the offensive class against uh, Kansas. Those are all factors that, to me, are just predictors for the, for long-term success. Uh, and, and obviously, the, obviously the, the depth of the team. Again, you talk about Lugens Dort having uh, two uh, subpar games and a, a guy like Rob Edwards uh, stepping up. Uh, Kimani Lawrence uh, started the season on a, a pretty positive note, uh, is not really faring all that well the last few games, but now you got a uh, freshman forward in Deshaun uh, Cherry picking up the slack. Uh, Remy Martin is healthier and healthier after suffering uh, that high ankle sprain uh, some somewhere in the beginning of the, of the preseason. And right now you can see how well uh, his playing. Uh, Zylan Cheatham is basically a double-double machine. Uh, the game against uh, Kansas was no different, 13 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, so a lot of pieces are coming uh, together right now uh, for Arizona State, and there's definitely genuine reason to be excited about this team, not only because of the great achievement uh, that it did uh, accomplish uh, beating number one Kansas on Saturday, but just the way this team is built, uh, I feel they have a much greater success, a much greater rate of success in the Pac-12. Uh, they might even capture the first ever Pac-12 championship uh, for this program. I, I fully believe uh, that that is something that is very well uh, in their reach, something that maybe I wouldn't say in the preseason, uh, expecting some other teams uh, to play much better than they are, namely um, Oregon, USC, UCLA. But uh, but right now, uh, it is not a stretch at all to say that Arizona State is the best team in the conference. Uh, when the uh, top 25 polls uh, come out, I expect Arizona State to still be the lone representative of the Pac-12 in those rankings. And uh, really, I think, position themselves well uh, when uh, when Pac-12 uh, play uh, does, does start in uh, in early January. And more importantly, uh, this is a team that I can see right now making some noise in the Pac-12 tournament and more importantly, making some noise in the NCAA tournament. So uh, uh, definitely uh, an Arizona State basketball program that we saw a lot of major strides last year. And like I said, even though this year it's not a perfect uh, non-conference record and a loss to Vanderbilt is something that uh, maybe last year's squad, uh, you know, wouldn't wouldn't endure just the way it was playing, and uh, basically the, the ball hitting the bottom of the net every time it uh, left uh, the um, the hands of uh, Cody Justice, Trey Holder, Shannon Evans. Uh, still, I think uh, that uh, you, sh- you should definitely be excited about the program that Bobby Hurley has built um, over here in Tempe, and uh, again, the trajectory uh, being able to take. A step forward uh, from a season uh, last year that, that was extremely special, and to be to be more excited uh, than you were now about ASU basketball than you were last year, I think uh, that, that that is really really remarkable. Arizona State is going to close uh, non-conference play, uh, hosting Princeton uh, Saturday at uh, at two o'clock, and uh, we'll definitely have uh, some uh, both video written pieces just summing up Arizona State's uh, non-conference uh, slate of the 2018-2019 schedule, but uh, suffice to say that uh, when you beat a team like Kansas, uh, that is uh, definitely a feather in the cap uh, for this program and an indication how successful the non-conference schedule was. Uh, it's very important to Arizona State to carry it in, in into Pac-12 play, but I, but I believe uh, that, again, compared to last year, they're much more poised to do so. 
Each and every podcast, uh, we uh, finish off with answering uh, your questions, both uh, posted in the Devil's Huddle premium message board of devilsdigest.com. Uh, I was going to read those questions first. Obviously, I have to uh, take care of my customers uh, first and foremost. And uh, if you want uh, your one your questions uh, to be one of the first ones read here on the podcast, uh, very simple. Just uh, sign up for premium membership at uh, devilsdigest.com. As I mentioned earlier, we got uh, a great promotion going on, uh, 99 uh, Cyber, where all new annual subscribers do get $99 certificate for the Rivals Fan Shop uh, to spend on uh, Sun Devil gear, something uh, I'm sure you've been spending uh, quite a bit uh, during this holiday season. And if you're looking for that uh, last-minute uh, Christmas gift or maybe even a uh, a post uh, Christmas gift, if you know, if you're just scrambling uh, to find uh, something to buy for a uh, family member or friend uh, that you didn't have a chance uh, to buy a gift earlier, uh, then uh, here's your opportunity uh, to enjoy uh, our coverage uh, of uh, Sun Devil Sports and uh, also uh, get hooked up with some uh, free uh, Sun Devil gear in the process. So uh, let's begin uh, by going to the Devil's Huddle from uh, Lobo Jangles. Uh, Hode, I would love to hear your take on Dylan Sterling Cole. Do you think he stays? If he does stay, does he stand much of a chance to get the starting gig? What in your mind is keeping him from being able to take that next uh, step? Well, um, I think that basically with Dylan Sterling Cole, it's a matter of uh, quarterback being three years in the program. And even though he had three different offensive coordinators during that span, is uh, basically all coming to the conclusion that uh, he has not taken that step forward. Uh, I think uh, just like a lot of uh, true freshmen uh, back then in 2016, uh, certainly there was some uh, maturity uh, issues and just a uh, player trying to come in, into his own uh, as a newcomer uh, to uh, college football and, and Pac-12 play. Uh, if I do look back at that 2016 season, uh, the game that he did start, the lone game that he started in his Arizona State career, uh, that road game uh, in Eugene, uh, I, th I thought he actually played uh, quite well for a true freshman, uh, basically thrown into the fire in one of the uh, har harshest uh, stadiums uh, in, in the conference. But he just has simply has not taken that extra step uh, beyond after that. Now, uh, to his credit, uh, because he did uh, redshirt in 2017 as uh, players like uh, Blake Barnett and uh, Brady White, even though he wasn't really 100% healthy uh, during that year, uh, those were the quarterbacks who were clearly ahead of him in the depth chart. And I think it was hard for him, uh, just as a uh, scout team uh, member, uh, to really display uh, his skills. But Again, I think uh, just uh, when it comes to uh, practice habits on and off the field, uh, Dylan Sterling Cole hasn't really uh, fulfilled um, his uh, potential and is shown to the coaches, even though, again, we're talking about a different set of coaches almost in each and every year, that uh, he's ready uh, to be uh, the quarterback that's going to that's gonna lead this team. And uh, when you look at just the reality of the situation, the fact that Arizona State brought not one, not two, but three quarterbacks in this recruiting class, 
uh, I think is uh, definitely an indication of how the coaching staff feels or doesn't feel about Dylan Sterling Cole. As far as I'm staying or leaving, it's really premature to uh, make that assessment uh, right now. Uh, obviously, spring practice is going to dictate everything. Uh, I don't know if Dylan Sterling Cole will be the uh, first one out there uh, taking first team reps as, a, as the uh, lone returning quarterback. Or did they give it to a Jaden Daniels or, or Joe Yellen? But uh, I would say that the way I look, I see this uh, quarterback competition uh, uh, unfolding, I definitely see it between uh, Sterling Cole, Jaden Daniels, and Joe Yellen. As far as the pecking order, how everything sorts it, sorts itself out, it's, it's anybody's guess. Um, I wouldn't put it past Sterling Cole to have a chance to win the job, but uh, he would just have to make a monumental leap and uh, really show those strides that he hasn't been showing for the last uh, three years. Whether he's capable or not, again, I think it's just anybody's guess. But uh, we'll, you know, we'll see how uh, everything uh, does uh, materialize uh, in spring practice. Obviously, it's going to be uh, one heck of a quarterback uh, competition between the three freshmen and, and Dylan Sterling Cole. Uh, I wouldn't put uh, anything past uh, Sterling Cole in terms of uh, securing that job or really being third on the depth chart when spring practice ends. And uh, if it's the latter scenario, then yes, I don't see any reason why Sterling Cole uh, would stick around, again, being three years in the program and not be able to uh, beat uh, one, let alone two uh, freshman quarterbacks. Uh, I think it's probably would be a time frame for a new beginning uh, somewhere else. Next question uh, comes from uh, Ryan Johnson, 02. Please describe the best you can the work, work culture that is now present under Herm Edwards and in terms of uh, recruiting other uh, relationships that uh, Herm Edwards and the staff are developing recruiting California, can they continue to grow? And do you think that Arizona State can really actually challenge USC uh, for recruits? So uh, concerning the team culture, um, I think, first of all, it definitely has uh, definitely an effect uh, on recruiting, not only Southern California, but just recruiting in general. But um more specifically for the uh, current players on the team right now, it's definitely an environment that's more conducive to retaining players and more importantly, retaining assistant coaches. You can look at a coach like Todd Graham and the fact that a lot of, a lot of his assistants uh, did indeed go to greener pastures, uh, get, getting promotions, whether it's a, a off, offensive coordinator to a head coaching job or position coach to offensive or defensive coordinator. So it wasn't only just assistant coaches leaving for the sake of leaving. But at the same time, there's something to be said about a coach like Herm Edwards who really knows all the right buttons to push to begin with, but really more importantly, which battles to pick in terms of winning or losing. And what I mean is that, look, uh, you can be harsh on players and say that uh, you can't wear um, baseball caps and earrings when you walk into the football facility. And maybe that was somewhat merited after uh, a Dennis Erickson era where the inmates definitely ran the asylum. And maybe that was needed at one point. But the problem was that when the program wasn't being successful at all in 15 and 16 and having marginal success in 17, but you're still keeping... Uh, those policies that did work in the first uh, three years of Todd Graham when the team won eight games, 10 games, and 10 games, uh, the, that, that's where the disconnect starts. And that's where it's really hard 
uh, for you to retain coaches who are just working in an environment that they just don't feel is really conducive to success. And that's how you can also run out uh, players from the program. And the way this ties into recruiting is that every coach will tell you, and I believe Herm Edwards uh, said so uh, in the signing day press conference last week, that your best recruiters are really your players. Uh, I mean, coaches, support staff, sure. I mean, they, they work their butts off uh, to get the best players uh, to Arizona State. But the bottom line is that any recruit that walks uh, through those doors for an official or even an unofficial visit, they want feedback from their peers, uh, first and foremost. And if you're having players that are just unhappy in the program, then the caliber of recruits you're going to get is going to be pretty low. And uh, that's uh, something that uh, definitely hurt Arizona State in the last few recruiting classes before Herm Edwards got here. So the team culture that Herm Edwards has established here, I mean, just really paying attention to what really needs to be paid attention to. And, and Herm Edwards has been uh, plenty uh, the, the, the disciplinarian when he needed to. Uh, I mean, but, but players like uh, like like Karan Crump, uh, Brock, Brock Sturgis, Traylon Smith, uh, who really, uh, let's say, faltered um, off the field, uh, each for their own reason, are no longer with the team. So it's not like Herm Edwards is running some kind of country club where you know players do whatever they want. Uh, but I think the fact that he just radiates uh, a personality that is inviting, that's going to be very honest and very forthcoming, that is attractive to recruits. Now, when it comes to Southern California, I mean, and really California in general, I should say, it's no secret that Antonio Pierce, being so well-established over there as a former uh, head coach at Long Beach Poly, uh, helps quite a bit. But also having really good recruiters on the staff and defensive coordinator Danny Gonzalez, cornerbacks uh, coach uh, Tony White, running backs coach uh, John Simon, this really helps establish um, that culture that Arizona State is doing some bold things, not only on the field, but also but also off the field. And I think it was absolutely genius for the uh, Arizona State coaching staff to just go to all the major high schools uh, in Southern California. And it's a lot of ground to cover, as you can imagine, and just have a poster, you know, just just go old school from the 80s. I mean, you know, a lot of us that grew up in that uh, day and age knew that if we had a uh, fa a favorite uh, musician or sports player. Uh, one of the first things that we did is just, uh, you know, just slap a poster on the wall of our bedroom, uh, and to have those posters uh, be so prevalent around so many uh, high schools in Southern California, uh, even other other teams in the Pac-12 who are plenty innovative in their own right with the recruiting tactics, uh, still haven't done something as simple as as that as Arizona State uh, has done. So now every time you have a uh, player walking into a coach's office into the respective high schools, there it is, uh, right there, uh, the the poster of our of Arizona State, and that definitely catches the eye and catches the attention uh, of recruits. So uh, I think the San Antonio Pierce are really knowing the landscape of uh, California, especially the southern part and all the major uh, players, the major uh, programs uh, in, in that region. And now you add that to the creativity uh, of the uh, of the recruiting department that's that's been doing an absolute bang-up job, whether it's with that poster or with videos chronicling uh, John Simon and Antonio Pierce uh, canvassing uh, Southern California for recruits. Uh, that is just a very uh, fresh approach 
a very unique approach that I think has and will continue to resonate uh, with recruits from that program. And yes, I think you can beat uh, USC for some uh, recruits. Uh, you were lucky hanging on to Amiri Johnson, uh, maybe less lucky uh, uh, fending off uh, USC for a, for Drake Jackson, uh, the defensive lineman from Cornell Centennial, who was very, very close uh, to being a Sun Devil. But USC uh, was able to uh, pull it out at the last moment. But um, USC right now is not in the greatest greatest of places. Uh, Todd Helton's uh, seat is uh, warmer than a July day in Maricopa County. And uh, I, I don't know if USC can have the same rate of success with recruits as it's having right now. And even right now, it's not really up to their standards, uh, not having a uh, recruiting class in the top 10. So, uh, yeah, I think Arizona State, uh, with the recruiting course they're taking, can definitely beat USC for uh, more battles uh, down the road. But it goes without saying that the success has to follow with ASU. I'm not saying that if ASU uh, won the South, let alone let alone won the Pac-12 championship, maybe that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme with the Drake Jackson. But in years to come, it can matter with other recruits that you're going head-to-head -head, uh, with USC. And if both programs continue to trend in the current direction, they're both trending right now. Uh, I think it's definitely conceivable that you, that you can beat USC and other Pac-12 programs for that matter uh, for the uh, quality recruits uh, that California is so uh, full of every recruiting cycle. Next question comes uh, again from the Devil's Huddle from Sandtown Devil, who asks, uh, asks us uh, three questions over here. First of all, will the intro song to uh, Miami Vice uh, replace the uh, Devil's Town song of this podcast? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, is it tempting? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I made uh, no bones about the fact that uh, Miami Vice was probably the favorite show that I had uh, g growing up. But uh, I am uh, trying to uh, stay stay true to form uh, with, with this podcast and uh, try not to uh, reinvent the wheel uh, too much over here. So the Devil's Town uh, song is here to stay uh, with a Miami Vice uh, theme song uh, make an appearance and uh, some of the segues over here. Uh, that is uh, definitely a very uh, plausible uh, theory right there. Second question from uh, Santan Devil. What, with the final spots in this uh, football recruiting class, what position does Arizona State need to show up and why? Uh, I, I agree with the uh, coaches that uh, probably getting another lineman on each side of the ball, uh, definitely uh, offensive tackle if we're talking about uh, the, the offensive line. Is definitely is definitely in order uh, because you lost a player like uh, Drake Jackson. I think getting another defensive lineman uh, should definitely help. Um, as we mentioned uh, earlier uh, in the podcast, uh, the fact that Arizona State uh, plays a three-three-five scheme uh, seems like it can never have too many defensive backs in, uh, in, in any given recruiting cycle. So uh, those are the positions I definitely see Arizona State uh, uh, hitting the most. That's not to say that if some quality tight end or quality wide receiver just falls into the laps that Arizona State is going to take a hard pass because at the end of the day, they're definitely taking the NFL approach of not only recruiting for need, but also recruiting the best player on the board, uh, so to speak. So I don't think there's too locked in into getting uh, one or two players from every specific position. Uh, again, offensive defensive line uh, is, is definitely the greatest need, I feel, uh, right now uh, for Arizona State, but uh, other uh, positions uh, can, can definitely be filled in February is just a matter of just uh, the uh, the uh, demand and supply, if you will, uh, of those prospects uh, in the upcoming weeks. Um, next question comes from uh, the original uh, the original uh, Sun Devil for Life, 
based on the eyeball test alone, who's your way too early favorite to win the quarterback competition uh, in the spring? I mean, that's uh, obviously a real, a real tough question to ask, and it's not so much the eyeball test, but I think just the versatility that a Jaden Daniels can bring to the table. Uh, again, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, he's not a run-first qu- quarterback, even though that uh, dual-threat uh, title is going to stick with him maybe until, maybe until the end of his career. Uh, I, I feel that he's still a very prolific passer in his own right. Do I think he's a better passer in terms of pure mechanics and pure technique than Joe Yellen? Probably not. But I think the fact that Joe Yellen's uh, mobility and athleticism is right now an area that's definitely a question mark more than a guarantee uh, could give Jaden Daniels at least the early leg up uh, in, in, in spring practice because I still feel that at the end of the day, uh, even though Arizona State, the offense under Herm Edwards and under Rob Likens is really more of a bowl control offense and you don't need uh, a quarterback to really pick apart defenses or anything like that, uh, still having that measure of ability and, and having a good chunk of yards gained on the ground uh, from from your quarterback and obviously be, be, being able to make plays uh, on the run is really, really important. And uh, I feel that uh, Jaden Daniels definitely brings uh, that aspect of his game uh, quite a bit uh, to the Arizona State offense. So, again, if I'm pressed to give you a way, way too early uh, prediction, uh, I think uh, Jaden Daniels uh, could, at some point of spring practice, be the number one quarterback. And if spring practice ended with him taking uh, snaps uh, behind the first-team center, uh, I, for one, will not be surprised at all. Next question comes from uh, Sun Devil Mike, who asks, has Merlin Robinson's uh, family issue uh, been resolved? Um, As uh, all of you recall, probably uh, Merlin Robinson had to miss uh, the uh, Las Vegas Bowl game against Fresno State because he had a family issue, which uh, prevented him from practicing in Las Vegas and uh, participating in the game later on. Uh, Everything that I heard, uh, the family issue is not something that's a uh, long-term situation, and he should be ready to go uh, come spring practice. It's definitely a situation that we're going to keep a close eye on as time goes on. But uh, right now, I did not get any indication whatsoever that there should be any concern about Merlin Robinson uh, now missing uh, spring practice on top of the uh, couple of pro practices and the bowl game itself. Uh, so I, I do believe that everything is going to sort out. Uh, Scottsdale, uh, Sun Angel 1, um, two questions over here. First one. From Edwards' year one review, what worked, what didn't, what are plan plan changes, and how can we improve recruiting player and development? So, um, I think the one the one uh, year review, uh, I would probably give him a a, a solid B grade. Uh, I think that uh, you know, in terms of wins and losses, uh, where did Arizona State uh, finish in the Pac-12 South? Um, sure, I mean you haven't seen a whole lot of progress uh, from from 2017 to 2018, uh, but. Alluding uh, back to my uh, previous point of just changing uh, the the team culture and just making it a more inviting atmosphere that can retain both players and assistant coaches, I think uh, that's uh, something that Herm Edwards uh, did very well and it it definitely definitely did work. Um, It's hard for me to think about things that didn't work um, under Herm Edwards. Um, You know, he he delegated uh, the defense to uh, defensive coordinator Danny Gonzalez, even though he's a defensive uh, coach uh, through and through. And uh, I think Danny Gonzalez rewarded uh, his trust 
uh, with a defense that definitely, in, in the statistical sense, has posted better numbers uh, than the 2017 uh, team. So uh, that's something I felt that, you know, that definitely did work. Um, I, don't, I don't anticipate any planned uh, changes um, in, in terms of staff. I'm assuming that's where we're going uh, with, with your question. Uh, I, I think that um, Herm Edwards might be more apt to make changes uh, going into the going into the uh, 2020 uh, season. Uh, basically, if you're just keeping everything the same for two years and you're not seeing the results that you want to see, that would probably uh, be a catalyst for change rather than just uh, coming here after one year and then uh, just trying to make uh, sweeping modifications uh, to the program that can uh, inadvertently set back uh, the team rather than help. But, but in terms of uh, recruiting and player development, uh, I think that... Um, Arizona State is, is really just doing all, all the right things uh, right now. Uh, their direct their uh, director of recruiting operations, uh, Al Luganbill, uh, as some of you uh, know, he is not only identifying uh, prospects for the team, but he's also evaluating the current players because you need to know what exactly you have and don't have in returning players from year to year in order to identify your recruiting needs. So, uh I think that uh, Alan Gubel and his staff give the AC coaches excellent feedback on how player X or how player Y has performed not only uh, on game days but also in practices and uh, whether he's a player that um, does have a ceiling, does have room room to improve and really take the next step in their, in their development. So I think in that sense, um, Arizona State is definitely doing a good job um, over there. Um, in terms of... Uh, Going to your next question, uh, and, well, that's actually, that's actually a basketball question here. Sorry, uh, shifting gears here. Um, Bobby Hurley, how to develop more player roles and structure playing time and keep players fresh and without injury. I really think when it came, when it came to the injury of the uh, ASU basketball players, uh, it really was just a lot of uh, uh, fluke stuff. Uh, I mean, Rob Edwards having back issues, Mickey Mitchell having back issues. I don't know if it was really them taking uh, a uh, – inopportune hard fall to the to the ground or, or any or anything like that uh, it's just uh just one of those injuries that just this really uh this really catches up with you i mean we know there's a lot of uh you know less than weakened warriors out there that still have back issues so uh the the, the, the those stuff uh that that stuff sometimes happens so um but in terms of keeping the players uh fresh um i think uh, bobby hurley showed early in the season even we didn't have the depth he has right now that he wasn't uh hesitating at all to insert uh, a lot of players uh, uh, early uh, in the game uh, instead of waiting uh, to the first official timeout or just, you know, nine, ten minutes uh, into the game. So I think uh, just the fact that he has a pretty good rotation going on uh, with the players can definitely help them fresh and uh, and obviously uh, also help uh, prevent injury. I mean, the less minutes you're on the floor, the less uh, opportunities uh, you have uh, to incur something unfortunate uh, like like an injury. As far as player roles, um, you know, Bobby Hurley is somebody who really prides himself on not pigeonhole uh, any player in, in, in into one role. I mean, he expects uh, Remy Martin uh, to play the one as much as he plays the two. Uh, and we've seen it a lot uh, when him and Dort are on, are on the on the floor. It's not just Remy Martin uh, strictly handing the ball and, and Lugens Dort uh, regulated to a to a shooting guard. We see a lot of uh, in, 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 in interchangeability uh, between between those two players. 
Zylan Cheatham, just just the game against Kansas. I mean, he was guarding um, a lot of players uh, that you wouldn't expect him to guard, just, uh, you know, playing the two, playing the three. And uh, that's something you definitely see more in the NBA than you see in college basketball. But uh, Zylan Cheatham, uh, with the skills that he has, that he brings to the table, uh, def- definitely helps uh, uh, quite a bit uh, over there. So, um, again, I think with Bobby Hurley, it's uh, just really more the versatility that, um, that really uh, defines him. Uh, rather than just being very rigid uh, with uh, player roles and, and, and player player responsibilities, and uh, again, I think uh, that aspect, along with uh, having uh, a pretty deep rotation, something you don't always see in non-conference play, uh, I think uh, is definitely uh, helping the players to be more comfortable in uh, what they're asked to be executed, and also keeping them uh, again keeping them fresh uh, in the long run. Last two questions are coming from the uh, Twitter followers of the Devil's Junkies podcast, which is at ASU underscore rivals. Uh, you can always uh, keep up to date uh, with the latest latest podcast on on our Twitter page uh, over there. And uh, when I do uh, ask you for questions, uh, definitely uh, submit them over there as well. So uh, first question uh, comes from uh, at uh, Michaelina37. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, are we going to see more minutes from uh, Elias uh, Valtonen? Uh, this is a basketball question, or any time uh, from uh, Yurish uh, this season. So, in, in, in terms of a Yurish classic, uh, no. I mean, he is definitely destined uh, to redshirt. Uh, the the seven-two center uh, basically is caught up, is caught up in a numbers game uh, here uh, with a very uh, deep uh, front court. Uh, Romelo White, Daquan Lake, Zylan Cheatham, uh, Tayshawn Te- Cherry, Vitaly Scheibel, uh, the sophomore who was uh, barely getting any playing time uh, over there, but uh, obviously being uh, more equipped to uh, hand the rigors of college basketball in, in, as compared to the freshman is obviously giving him a leg up uh, over there. And uh, that's why um, Yorish uh, Plastic is definitely uh, destined uh, to, to retro this year. Uh, as you may know, Arizona State is losing both uh, Zylan Cheatham and uh, Daquan Lake, uh, exhausting their eligibility at the end of the 2018-2019 season. So uh, definitely there'll be uh, more need uh, or some more opportunity for 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 yours uh, to play uh, d- during during that time. So uh, that's uh, something to look out for. Elias Valtonen, uh, it's it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I don't know uh, how much he can crack uh, the lineup right now, especially with uh, Kimani Lawrence who. That's probably cooled off a little from the way he played um, in November. Uh, but uh, as long as Kamani Lawrence is still playing uh, relatively well, and uh, Mickey Mitchell is right now out, out with a back injury, but definitely a player that I can see the coaches trusting more than a true freshman. Um, I don't know how much Elias Valtonen is, is going to get to see the court uh, on any given game. Uh, obviously, uh, injuries and other factors uh, can definitely uh, change that scenario. But uh, while I don't see Elias Valton in uh, redshirting, I don't believe he can redshirt with the amount of uh, minutes he played so far. Um, I just don't know how much he can see the court uh, later on. Uh, again, you just can't overstate the depth factor of, of this ASU basketball team. And uh, when you're the uh, number 11th or 12th player, like, like these two freshmen in Valton and, and, and Plasvic, uh it's uh, kind of hard uh, to, really, to really get minutes uh, over there. Uh, and last question um, from our uh, uh, followers over here uh, at uh, Sasso76. Do you think uh, Arizona State adds another defensive lineman in this recruiting class? I did allude to it uh, earlier. Uh, yes, I do I do uh, feel that they're going to at least try to pursue one. 
in, in the February signing day. Whether it's successful or not uh, remains to be seen. But, um, you know, it's basically just uh, the fact that they lost out, lost out on defensive lineman uh, Drake Jackson, who signed with USC, lost on both uh, Jacob and Joey Capra, the two uh, brother offensive linemen uh, that uh, ended up uh, signing with SDSU after seeming to be uh, all but in the bag uh, for Arizona State. So uh, when you lose out on specific positions in the early signing period, it only makes sense that uh, you would uh, go after uh, those positions uh, in, in in the February uh, uh, late late signing period, or really the traditional signing period, I should say, for football. And uh, so, yes, I mean, I would expect Arizona State at least to try to get a defensive lineman. Whether successful or not um, remains to be seen, but I don't see Arizona State just like they have not with any other uh, position, really forcing the issue and just taking a player just because he fulfills a certain position. And thank you very much uh, for your questions. Uh, we will continue uh, this podcast uh, th- throughout the year. Uh, you can definitely uh, plan on a podcast uh, before uh, spring practice, uh, talking about um, how the different positions are shaping up uh, over there. Uh, we'll try for a uh, podcast uh in the middle of spring practice, uh, kind of taking a snapshot of the first uh, two, two and a half weeks, uh, see uh, what the storylines and the trends uh, developing uh, over there uh, that did uh, take place. And obviously uh, a podcast uh, at the end of spring practice, uh, answering the burning question, who is going to be the starting quarterback going into full camp uh, remains to be seen if that's going to be a conclusive answer or not. But uh I know the ASU fans are uh, definitely uh, thirsting for that answer and would we'll definitely uh, tr- uh, try to provide um, our best uh, opinion on that subject matter. We'll definitely continue talking uh, talking about ASU basketball uh, next month and, and in the months to come. So uh, thank you again uh, so much uh, for tuning in. If you're not a subscriber for Devil's Digest, uh, please make sure that uh, you do subscribe, devilsdigest.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Devil's Digest. And uh, from my family uh, to yours, uh, have a very uh, happy happy holiday season, and uh, we'll talk to you again in 2019. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. All my friends were vampires Didn't know they were vampires Turns out I was a vampire myself in the devil town
Town. I didn't know it was a devil town. 